episode 111 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on March the 28th, 2021. My name is Eric, I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student of preparedness, target shooter. I'll own it. I'm a floundering ham newbie, and my farm's designated handyman. <laughs> I'm Gavin, an instructor with Ragnarok Tactical, Stop the Bleed instructor, volunteer search and rescue, and regular panelist on the other CPP. Okay, and I'm Chris. I'm an Army Air Force veteran. I'm living in Alberta, and I'm the founder of uh, CTOMS, a tactical medical training and supply company. And apparently I don't exist. Uh, nope. I'm Alan, and if you want to help keep the show on the air, buy some swag. We have both Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirts and the awesome tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds go to help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. Apparently I was overzealous on the erasing. Um, <laughs> if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook, submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, we've got some uh, well-trained content for you in this episode. I'm going to start oh, off yeah. with some preparedness-related news articles. Yes, I know, 111 <laughs> episodes, the jokes continue. Uh, next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, uh, Tom's Academy. Let's move into the news. I was going to put something in here, but Ian went and covered everything that I was going to talk about. So Suez Canal oil, toilet paper, maple syrup season, it's all in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have to ask. Like, how do they how do they relate the Suez Canal getting blocked with a toilet paper shortage again? Uh, something to do with the pulp coming from India or China, and it's all yeah, made offshore now. And except in Canada, we have domestic production and supply, so yeah. we're fine. Yeah, like so it's, it's more, it's more an American problem than uh, than a Canadian yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I have a plant that's like. 20 minutes from the house that makes a ton of paper, so I think we're okay. Anyway, yeah, so I did have a few uh, articles regarding the Suez Canal, and uh, surprise to nobody, I think, by this point, uh, the Suez Canal has been blocked for like a better part of a week. I think uh, they counted up, it's about $9 million a day in economic damage being suffered by uh, a lineup of ships happening. Uh, I think there's uh, 380 ships now waiting to go through the canal because of the backlog, and they decided to say, screw it, go around the Horn of Africa, which means there's going to be uh, delays to shipping, which means AliExpress is going to take a hit. Uh, prices for shipping containers is going to go up and uh, yeah, now you're going to see like a shortage of overall shipping because it takes longer to turn around the ship and, and refill it. So shenanigans shall ensue, ensue all summer, I guess, until the backlog gets cleared and uh, it looks like they've got like one excavator working on clearing it right now. <laughs> yeah, there's 180 like, ships yep. and they can't just chain <laughs> them all together and pull the thing out. Well, and the best part is they literally a Komatsu from like 1970 is sitting there trying to dig it out. I'm like, maybe we could get like two or three going on. All, all you need there. is a couple of a couple of a couple of boys from Alberta with their GMC jacked up and some tow chains, yeah. and you'd have that. You'd have that thing moving in a couple of days for a case of beer. Well, you could probably also, you know, like get a couple of helos in there and airlift out some of those containers to lighten the ship and have it be easier to spin. Like with the money that's being wasted. In the delays and everything, you think they could spend a couple of bucks and speed this thing up some way? Yeah, yeah. who's going to pay for it? 
And of course, all, the, uh, all of the companies that are waiting for their stuff to get through. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of funny, the droops and drabs coming out about this is like, of course, we all saw the, the nice little phallic shaped drawing that the uh, captain did, the, the harbor pilot, anyways, before uh, she drove it through the canal. Uh, yeah. I guess uh, there's some sort of shenanigans going on with the harbor pilot, too. And there's kind of some news articles going on about that. So yeah. it should be an interesting unpacking on this whole thing. But it's only naval aviators that are allowed to draw dick-shaped things in the sky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, well, that was was on the water. To be fair, well, I think she yeah. was like basically like you know screw you guys, and now I'm going to screw the canal or something. I don't know what it, it's, it was. Very interesting. Uh, and yeah. of course, to complement this, uh, in my other news article. So once again, Saudi oil facilities are getting attacked by drones, and uh, so. The oil prices are already starting to go up a bit because of this whole Suez Canal thing, but now the oil facilities just across the border from Yemen are getting blown up again. So shenanigans ensuing on the Red Sea, that's all I can say. So mm-hmm. stock up on TP now is what I'm hearing. TP, fill up your car with gas and yeah, take it from there. That's all I had. Yeah. Uh, well, well. All right. Well, yeah, I, I saw the massive. Uh, I saw the big long list in Ian's section here for news and said, "Well, that looks good." I don't think you can use "massive" and Ian in the same sentence. Ah, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> With Stop. that, shall we, shall, shall we shall we move on to what we've done lately for preps? I guess you first. So for me, uh, work has been keeping me insanely busy. So between that and spending time with the little guy, I've uh, I've not done much for preps at all this week. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so. Because I have livestock, I now have dead stock. Uh, this week, uh, I had to deal with my uh, oldest alpaca uh, packing it in. So, of course, that leads to problems. I <laughs> <laughs> like that one, eh? Um, yeah, so, of course, that requires a little bit of time, effort, and stuff to get rid of the, the dead stock before you start attracting the predators, um, four-legged and winged. And um, so that was a bit of an issue. Uh, yeah, which causes a bit of problems around the, the, the acreage as everything gets resettled. Um, did a bunch of log splitting because of those three giant uh, Douglas firs I brought down. I spent literally three days splitting the rounds from those things. We were probably three feet around, literally. Um, let's see here. Ham radio. So I was uh, I decided to make Eric my new Elmer, which is my new basic mentor. I didn't ask him if it was okay first. I just told him he was. <laughs> yeah, and, pretty much. Yeah. And then, so I started listening to the Ham Radio Workbench podcast. Um, yeah. So at first I was listening to those guys. I was thinking, what a bunch of geeks. And then I was like, wait a minute. I'm voluntarily listening to them and, I, and they're geeks. So what does that make me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Nerd. <laughs> Never mind. Yep. So uh, been watching a bunch of YouTube videos and trying to figure out antennas and everything else. Decision paralysis. I haven't ordered anything yet. Um, got a hooked up my UV5R cable to the computer to see if I could program it with that program called Chirp. Cable didn't work, so I had to consult with Eric for that one. Uh, Let's see here. I did redid the driver for that one. Finally got it to work yesterday, which, of course, reminds us to test our gear because I had had that cord sitting there for about two years. They were bothered to use it. Figured I'd just program it up during the emergency. Yeah, that would have been a bad thing. So, yeah, test your gear. Yep. Uh, tinkering with the solar setup. So I have a solar panel that's been sitting there with uh, wires hanging off it, nothing happening. But I did order some parts for it online. And uh, getting closer to having a solar-powered, how would I describe it, cell phone, walkie-talkie, and drone battery recharging station set up. Um, but I'm working on it. So cool. anyways, cool. other than that, uh, burnt up some underbrush there before the fire ban happens here April 1st. So I got my last big fire in. Uh, to kind of mitigate the fire hazard for the summer because it looks like it's going to be a dry one. Although we did have 
hailey kind of snow today on the island. Figure that one. And uh, naturally, did some CGN deals. Come on. I, yeah. That never happens. Yeah. And originally, I thought I got screwed over by a guy, but actually, he made it good. And he uh, he restored my faith in CGN. I was momentarily <laughs> rattled there for a second, but uh, he came out ahead. So, anyways, that was it for me. Cool. I'm uh, making room. I made some room in the basement today for all the stuff in my garage. My latest volume with the municipality gets me closer to my uh, new garage. So demolition will hopefully begin, fingers crossed, in the next three weeks. Uh, started the seeds for the garden this week. Um, yesterday specifically, we're planting 72 tomato plants because we decided last year we didn't have enough sauce at the end of the year. We didn't get enough for sauce, so. We're doing a lot of tomatoes, um, some peppers, some beans, some cucumbers, and a few other things. Um, so I got my new, um, drew up some plans for a new garden shed that will be built alongside the garage. Started some work on being able to produce a couple of lock t- new lock tools, which is pretty cool. Um, found a, a gap in uh, a gap in manufacturing for one specific tool and uh, found a way to make it, which is neat. Um, lots and lots of PT along with Gavin, um, trying to <laughs> trying to run them. Uh, and then was formally, invi- formally accepted into the local search and rescue uh, organization. Uh, excited to start uh, excited to start training. And then just before I got on the air tonight, I ordered the antennae for my, my two radios. So we'll have, uh, have some shortwave radio communication as a backup should our cell phones not work awesome shall we uh move into the main topic tell us tell us tell us about the background of c toms how did it come out how did it come about the the background of c toms okay so um it's yeah it's a little bit of a story i'll try to keep it short but basically uh i was i was in the military was in the army at the time and uh it's kind of is the the late 90s so i was kind of getting bored not, not much is happening. Been to Bosnia a couple of times. And so uh, I wanted to move to something more challenging. So I had my, my sights set on uh, search and rescue technician. So I went to school to be uh, become an EMR. Then I went to EMT school. And uh, then I got picked up to go to selection. And then 9-11 happened. And the infantry battalion that I was in was on um, the quick reaction force for any global events were the national kind of QRF and uh, so I sat on my ruck for a few months and then uh, ended up in Afghanistan in in uh, February February 10th of 2002 and then the in April I don't know if you remember it was the very uh, first casualties Canadian casualties I should say uh, of the war and it was a friendly fire incident so that was, was the my- uh, um, American uh, American pilot mistook uh, training a night training exercise for some uh, some insurgent uh, operations, as I recall. That's right. Yeah. So it was the eighty-four millimeter was what he was seeing, and that was um, that was my platoon that was shooting that thing. Mm. And so he rolled in and, and targeted my platoon, and uh, so just based on the experience that I that I had that night treating those casualties, when I got back, you know, I'm corporal cop at the bottom of the, the barrel here in, in the military. But I, I didn't want anybody to be put in the situation that I was put in where I was not properly trained, not properly equipped, just not properly prepared to uh, to deal with the situations that we were put in, that we weren't peacekeeping in Bosnia anymore. And, uh, and so I started this grassroots effort to uh, kind of change the system. I had been made aware of this, this novel concept called tactical combat casualty care that was being... 
um, kind of grown, the, the genesis of it was uh, in the U.S. Special Forces community in the, the early 90s, actually. And there was a paper published in 96. And so I took this information. We started this, this grassroots effort to, um, to start this type of training in the military. So we created the, the TCCC course within the military. And then uh, we ran the pilot program. And then I uh, switched over to the Air Force uh, and became a search and rescue technician. And then, you know, fast forward uh, almost a couple of years. Um, and then I, I ended up having to get uh, a bilateral fasciotomy on my leg. So I was sitting on the couch recovering for, for four months with nothing better to do. And I, I started this little hobby company while I was just sitting there and uh, recovering. And then the hobby company, and the intent of the hobby company was to take the training that we had created while I was in the army for the, the military and offer it commercially to law enforcement to say, look, there's there's these lessons that are learned on the military side and, and the tactical teams particularly, um, you know, are in very similar situations and environments. And the idea of it kind of took off and um, it's like I poked a hole in a void that, that I didn't even know was there and just kind of got sucked in and then there was equipment distribution that came along with it. And so I had to make the hardest decision of my life and I, I got out of the military at, um, after 12 years. Uh, into a company that really didn't exist at the time. It was it was such a gamble, but you know I I, I haven't looked since. I haven't looked back since. That was in 2006. I, re I released and uh, and then the company just kind of took on a life of its own. I think it was just the right time because um, we ended up getting a military training contract uh, right away after I released um, to train all the medics that uh, were deploying over to uh, Afghanistan. And, uh, That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of found the same thing with the uh, with the Stop the Bleed program too, right? Like that was kind of a dumbed down version of uh, what ended up being TECC, right? And then it was kind of intended for uh, people who were going to be in a position where mass shootings were a uh, were a big deal. And then they realized that it's kind of applicable to every aspect of life because trauma happens everywhere. So it sounds like it's kind of a similar, obviously a much watered down concept, but same ideas. There's, so a, there's a there's an identified need. So did you start out mostly as a training company to start with, Chris, or did you go right to the uh, the selling the gear as well, or? No, you know what? It, we always were the intent was always a training company, and uh, and I still say we're we're a training company today, although um, we do a lot more revenue with the the equipment sales. But really, the you know the, the passion of the company is is to well the passion of the company and the, the mission of the company is is to just prepare people. Right. And uh, just to to uh, so that the mission is so that people weren't don't get put in the situation I was in or we're not properly trained, not properly equipped, not properly prepared. And uh, and so, you know, I, I feel that training is more important than equipment. Uh, and even in the training courses, you know, we, we tell the students like you should be able to walk in to any casualty situation with nothing but your hands and your brain and and be able to to manage massive hemorrhage, airway compromise, you know, uh, respiratory issues with with just improvisation and, and physical manipulation and not get kind of uh, handcuffed and dependent on equipment. And, um, you know, the, the equipment I, I think is always secondary and, and sure it's nice to have, but yeah. 
Okay. So speaking of products and training, can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that uh, that CTOMS offers for the listeners who are new to uh, um, new to CTOMS? Yeah. So it's. I mean, we've grown quite a bit, and the, and the spectrums uh, become quite broad. So on the training side, there's there's I would say there's two specific different um, components to it. The first is we've just launched the new CTOMS Academy, which is our online training platform, and that has been a long time uh, in the making. And that's the ability to, you know, it affords us the ability to just to, to reach uh, a, a lot further than we could. There's only so many classrooms that we can stand in front of, and you can only put so many people in those classrooms. But, um, you know, the, the goal of that was to was to actually not even just make it equivalent to being in a classroom, but to try and improve it. And so, um, you know, the the classes on the CTOMS Academy, we can get a bit into it a little bit more depth later, but they're, uh, they're all produced videos. And so the, the content is scripted. So it's very information dense. They're, we're not wasting anybody's time. Um, and then the uh, everything is is basically just um, it's it's animated, so either in two D, three D animation or live demonstration, uh, just to keep the 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 viewer engaged, the student engaged. The other uh, uh, sorry, from, from right from from right there, just uh, real quick, there's a uh, uh, question on the live chat from YouTube. Sure. Uh, Pierre Alain is asking if this is offered to everybody or if it's uh, or if it's restricted. Perfect. No, it's offered to everybody, and so there's. In the Wave 1 launch, um, so yeah, we'll get into to, uh, CTOMS Academy a little bit uh, now, I guess, but, and I, I do want to finish the question, but I'll answer the question. So the, the, um, the Wave 1 launch, we've got, I think there's 11 or 12 courses up there, and they're all bundled. Uh, we cre uh, created bundles for them. And of those courses, there's four different uh, what I call casualty approaches. And so there's two basic and two advanced. And then one of the basic and one of the advanced is a tactical approach. And one of the basic and one of the advanced is a non-tactical environment approach. But even if you're uh, just a, a general member of the public, you're not law enforcement, you're not military, and you still want to learn the tactical approach, it's still open for you to purchase the tactical approach, uh, casualty approach video, if, you're, uh, if, you're, if that's the approach you want to learn. So the biggest difference is just the environment that um, that it's in, and so the tackle approach teaches how do you approach a casualty in an environment where there is what we call a proactive intelligent threat uh, versus a non-tackle environment where you may still have environmental threats, but nobody is trying to uh, use violence against you or, or anybody else. So yeah, the answer is yes, it's open to everybody. Yes, it's open to everybody, fantastic. Yeah, that, yeah. and that's awesome, like, I mean, running a, a training company you know myself like it you definitely got to get the online thing especially with all the the corona rules and regulations it's so hard to do stuff and, and be able to get that stuff out there and yeah you really need that and it, it you know having to travel myself all over north america at times to take stuff it gets costly so having that online platform and we had to, to develop that ourselves this year to figure out how do we make money and put stuff on for people that they want to learn when they live remotely or like we just can't physically put on a class? I mean, and it's, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that leads me to the questions I was going to ask there, Chris. Uh, first of all, has uh, COVID really affected the way you guys have been doing your training, like in class and anything else? And also, I guess in order to get the most out of your courses, would you recommend them taking like a, just a standard first aid course first, or nothing at all, uh, anything in particular? Right. So uh, how it's affected, basically, it, it, it shut us down for training for uh, quite a long time uh, and still has. There's, there's so much demand for it. And it's still getting bumped and bumped and bumped months ahead um, for the practical side. And it's, you know, I, I didn't get into the other side of the training, you know, uh, the original question of what we offer. The other side of uh, CTOMS Academy is what we call mission essential training. And mission essential training is the, the practical uh, component of it. So that's taken a, a big hit. Um, you know, and, and we just launched the CTOMS Academy. We, ha we had a, our police officer down survival course. Uh, which was the online that you, you would go through, you know, it was just slides that you would go through. Whereas see Tom's Academy is, it's been almost, I think four years in, in the making, but we've hired a full uh, production team. We have a, our own uh, in-house studio, you know, with blue screen and, and teleprompters and yeah, you know, you name it. And uh, these big supercomputers that they do with the big screens, they do all the, the video editing and everything on. And so it's, you know, we wanted to produce a, a very high quality uh, product. So, um, so has it affected us? Uh, yeah, it hasn't. You know, this was in the works well before uh, any of that. So it's the mission essential training for practical stuff that's really kind of taken the hit. And then, sorry, the second part of the the question. What was it again? Just remind me. Um, so we we've talked a lot, a fair bit about the training. Um, what kind of products do you offer as well? Actually, sure. I think my first oh, question there was the uh, what kind of like prerequisite would you recommend oh, like a Oh yeah, yeah. With with regards to the first aid, so so here's the deal: is first aid covers kind of the, they they attempt to cover the full spectrum, and they do uh, both medical and trauma. And I find that the trauma that they cover uh, isn't really the uh, how to say it like the really serious stuff. Like when when you learn hemorrhage control from just basic first aid courses, they're gonna tell you, you know, you put the, the bandage on top and if it soaks through, then you put another bandage on all this. And that's fine for like superficial arterial stuff. But if you're talking about like big stab wounds to big arteries, then you need a little bit more than first aid. So I, I think they work really good kind of independently uh, and, you know, almost compartmentalized. I don't think you need to have first aid before you take our training. Uh, is it going to help you? It might a little bit, um, but then there's there also might be some contradictions. <laughs> and there's like, hey, wait a minute, first aid said I'm not allowed to do that. There, there well, are so many contradictions well, between yes. like standard first aid and stop the bleed. Even, yeah. even EMR I, I, level first aid and I, stop the bleed, I, I, and they're not the same. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it would be some bad habits you might come to the course with, which could be a problem too, right? It, it is and it isn't. And you know what, there is there is justification to it. And, and here's here's one example that I'll get into. And so, well, actually, there's, there's two, but they're kind of the same thing. And so in a lot of jurisdictions, and each jurisdiction is different, you have these, they'll, they'll call them different things in different jurisdictions, but we'll call them advanced procedures or delegated medical acts or whatever. And two of those that I'll give you an example of is one is sticking your finger inside a wound. And number two is packing anything into that wound. Those are technically considered advanced procedures or delegated medical acts that should only be done under uh, the medical direction, like as a medical profession under a licensed physician. So if you're an EMT paramedic. 
But here's the caveat that exists in most legislation that I've, I have read. And it says that if there is nobody there that can perform that procedure and it is required for, and in Alberta, it doesn't just say to save their life, it says to improve the comfort of the, the casualty, then you're allowed to do it. And so that's how we, we explain this because people will say, oh, you can't teach packing wounds. That's an advanced procedure. It's like, well, we can teach it with the caveat that, look, it is uh, saving this person's life. But if there's a nurse or a doctor or a paramedic beside you, you you're not going to be doing it because you're going to be handing over care of that right. casualty. Thing. So that's Yeah, I've always it. found, yeah, the, the standard first aid approach is lacking a, a lot. Like you said, like it's the, yeah, they say, oh, just, just, drape it with something or apply some pressure and you're like well if my arm has been severed and i'm bleeding profusely like balling up a shirt and putting it on the end isn't going to do anything i'm going to be dead probably before i can get the damn t-shirt off and ball it up and, right and, and st standard first aid isn't intended for that i, I mean standard first yeah. aid is intended for the average like ninety nine percent of the of the population are going to see that's gonna paper, paper cuts and bruises, maybe a broken yeah. bone if somebody slips on the I ice. Just in wish the winter. that they would they would be more honest in their presentation and say, "Here's the thing, you you can't do this without more advanced training. We don't do this because just saying, oh, just just wrap it loosely with this or whatever, you know, like it's it's a lie. It's a complete lie, and it doesn't do anybody any good." Just tell them well, the and, truth. And, I mean, it, it depends on who you're taking it with as well, because I know yeah. um, in I mean, Ontario... Things have changed over the years, too. But yeah. in, in, in Ontario, at the time of recording, St. John Ambulance doesn't allow tourniquets at standard first aid level, but Red Cross does. Um, yeah. So it depends on it depends on who you're training with, but even even the way the Red Cross teaches it, and I, with full disclosure, I teach Red Cross first aid, um, it's... it's 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 taught from a place where a tourniquet is bad and scary. We should avoid it if we can, if we possibly can. Oh well, yeah, it still stops all circulation, and you will lose that limb even if it's been on for two seconds. Yeah, yeah. and that's and, and it's it's uh, it, we just we just know better, and and they just haven't caught up with the times. So, sure, um, and so you, you, that's where I, I totally see the contradiction between them. They're they're not. Uh, so I guess they're not. Your your what you're saying is that your program doesn't build on first aid. But it also doesn't teach the 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 minor stuff that you probably don't really need to be taught. But yeah. um, you know, I don't need a tourniquet if I have a paper cut. But when I need a tourniquet, I really need. I don't need to care. I don't care yeah. about paper. You'll, cut. you'll be fine with the paper cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't cover you know your little scrapes and, and abrasions and and uh, your your paper cuts. But uh, I think there's. There's seven videos. All the videos average about 10 minutes, but there's seven videos um, just on tourniquets that cover all the different aspects of it. So it's a comprehensive approach. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah no, that's awesome. I mean, I, I did the, uh, the the POD, the police officer down one a number of years ago. And I mean, for its time, it was a great program. And I'm sure, yeah, like it's, it's oh, only yeah. been, been see improved, it. right? Yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, sorry, just to get back into, you know, the, the question about what products we offer um, is, you know, initially, again, it, the way that it started, the very first product that we got was the, the combat application tourniquet. And, uh, and then it just kind of grew from there. And the reason we got it was because uh, we needed these new um, products that 
were you know more specific to the tactical environment at the time that they, they just weren't available in Canada and just so happened that you know a friend of a friend knows the inventor of, of the cat and makes the introduction and um, and it worked out really well that way and then it just kind of expanded from there with uh, you know the soft tea and uh, tac med solutions and um, and then even beyond the medical like we, we got uh, not just exclusive distribution on a lot of things, but we, we started bringing in products that um, that were uh, that were unique. We also started uh, using a third-party company to design our own kits, and so fairly early, we started building um, surgical airway kits and saline lock kits um, that the military uh, started purchasing and buying, and we used a third-party company that could get Health Canada licensing uh, for those. And then we just started expanding into uh, nylon. So we, we found uh, manufacturers that would uh, sew our designs uh, into nylon products. And uh, after a whole bunch of kind of trial and error, we landed on US manufacturing just because we can get it made very compliant and it's a much larger market. The unfortunate reality at the time was that we had tried Canadian manufacturers and it was more expensive and lower quality. And I know that there's Canadian manufacturers now that that do make it to um, the quality standards, uh, you know, that the market demands. Um, I just haven't worked with them to look at what the what their uh, their pricing is uh, yet. Well, yeah, they've but got, I mean, they've got to one buying power to us. Yeah, having it be very compliant though gives you a much larger market. And for those exactly. that don't know, that's like the U.S. military standard that it needs to be made to for their guys to be able to use it. Yeah, if, if U.S. government wants to buy it, uh, textile yeah. goods, then it has to be very compliant. And so that was a, a plus for uh, for us manufacturing it in the U.S. And then beyond that, we just started picking up uh, just ta general tactical uh, brands um, just to distribute, like uh, Cry Precision, for example, and um, and some other ones. So fantastic. It's one thing we just didn't cover off, though. Uh, Pierre is asking Pierre, and it says, uh, "Where are these courses based based out of?" So uh, they're online. I don't know. I mean, like your your office is out of Cal Alberta, right? Oh, we're at it. Yeah, we're in Edmonton. Offices in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah, but you you have training available uh, across most of the country. You said right. So the the mission essential training that we offer the practical training for the the vast vast majority of it is agency contract training. Uh, we typically don't run. Um, in the past, we typically haven't run courses for the public. Uh, now that doesn't mean moving forward. As as we expand our capabilities, we don't uh, we don't do uh, more. What I call o there's open courses and then semi-open courses, and uh, and we're we're very seriously looking into that. And uh, we have a training cadre in Edmonton, and then we've got a training cadre in Ontario. So we're able to uh, run cost-effectively courses in both of those areas. But we have run. Uh, our, our practical training in almost every province uh, right across the country. So we, we have a, a, a mobile model that, that can go pretty much anywhere. Cool. I do have a uh, listener question. Uh, Darius uh, does ask, uh, how can companies get involved for contracts? Or do you want to talk about that off air? Um, I think I need a little bit more information into uh, into exactly what he means by that. So okay. he might get back to us, and that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. But happy happy to discuss. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Okay. 
Well, you had you had a few more things out, out there. You into a few more things to talk about? Yeah, no worries. I just didn't want to interrupt too much. Uh, first of all, uh, I noticed as I was snooping through your website, a <laughs> uh, couple things I just want to talk about quickly because it's something you don't see that that often is the junctional tourniquet. Um, you know, just to, can you explain its general use and if you offer training on it? Sure. So there's there's actually four different junctional tourniquets that that exist uh, today and. Um, uh, is there a specific one that you oh, saw? I just uh, the fact that I haven't really seen one for for uh, for sale, obviously, uh, very often at all. So I was just wondering if you okay. offer training on how to use it and everything else. Right. Yeah. So th there's four different ones, um, and I would say they they come in. There, there's three that are similar, and then there's one that's kind of a, a unique one that does even a little bit more. Uh, the Croc was the first one. I think the Jet was the second. The SAM junctional tourniquet is the, um, it's not the third, I think that was the fourth. And then there's one called the AHAT, or Abdominal Aortic Junctional Tourniquet. And so um, what these are for primarily, and I would say uh, they're for uh, like catastrophic uh, injury where, you know, the, the tourniquet, the injury is too high to get a tourniquet on the leg or legs. Uh, uh, and there, even the AJT, it's it, it's what I call a truncal tourniquet. So you you put this right over the umbilicus, and then it drives a, an air bladder wedge right down into the, the abdomen, and uh, eventually pinches off the the aorta up against the spine. And so this is where, if somebody even has uh, their pelvis uh, just completely blown. So this is these are tools for an IED environment where there's big big blast injuries that are. Uh, knocking legs and, and stuff off of, so the the junctional, the junctional ones they can work either uh, on one side or both sides um, of the of the groin, and they uh, they either have a, an air pump. The Sam has an air pump, or the the uh, the Croc and the Jet they have a little screw device that kind of pushes pushes pressure down on uh, the femoral artery. Um, and then, uh, and they do. They say that they can be used up uh, in the axilla uh, as well, up in the armpit. Um, the the AJT is probably out of all of them. It's probably my favorite. I think SOCOM went with the SAM. I like the AJT a little bit better because uh, you can use it either on one or the other groin, but then you can use it trunkally right over the um, the abdomen, and that's the only one that that uh, that functions that way. Um, yeah. You offer training on it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we do. We currently don't have an online course for the junctional training. Um, that is probably coming in wave two. Um, but in, in uh, on the practical training, uh, if the agency requests it, then it's very easy for us to include. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I guess further to Darius's question there, when he asked asking about uh, how can companies get involved, he says yeah. he's uh, he's a full. Oh, sorry there. Uh, he's a full uh, full time security professional. I want to pitch the advanced courses to my company. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. So the best thing is to uh, drop training at ctoms.ca uh, and, and email, and then we can work with uh, uh, volume discounts, numbers. We can give him uh, um, kind of just uh, best practices to to pitch it to uh, decision makers for sure. All right. And the other question I had for you is just the uh, the ready heat vests. Uh, is that just for shock, or is that uh, like is there another purpose for that one? Like, just can you tell me a little bit more about that product? The, the vests specifically, or the the blankets? It says the ready heat vest. Right. So ready heat blankets are like these 
you know, they're, they're blankets that have, they're basically just, you know, the, the oxidative heating uh, uh, pads, like little hot po- pocket hot shots that, that warm up. Yeah. They just have little panels uh, in that. And, and the vest is just a vest that uh, um, is similar. So for, for casualty management, for uh, hypothermia, shock, things like that, I would, uh, I would recommend the blanket because then you can kind of wrap it around the torso. And you don't really want to put it on the back because then you might get pressure points and you can burn. Uh, the, the skin in those certain points. I think the vest in particular is uh, more to wear like under your coat, you know, if you're in a, a, an ambulatory hypothermic situation or, or you just want to stay warm at a, a football game. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I mean, it's multi-purpose, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be lying if I said that I haven't been out doing a, like a search and rescue training exercise or we, we do a lot of like on-site medical for, for events and I've always got my, my trauma kit, but there's been a few times where it's been a little bit chilly and I didn't bring the hand warmer, so I may have dipped into the supply that's in my first aid kit and been like, I'm going to need to replace these when I get home, but I probably don't need 10 of these for this today, so yeah, it comes in handy to have those for sure. <laughs> they are handy. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay, so yeah, further on, as I was stooping through your site some more there, I noticed you, it's not just first aid supplies that you sell, though. You're all, I noticed you're also supplying uh, some optics as well. The optics? Oh, um, yeah. All the, 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 was all it the of suns. Yeah, yeah, and then there's also the uh, the night vision uh, as well. Yeah, so I was actually looking at the Holosun. I mean, I have a Holosun myself. I got the uh, HS515C or something like that, the solar-powered and battery-powered one. Yeah. Um, what made you go with Holosun, or is there a preference or any reason? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a roundabout way, but we went with Holosun primarily because of value. And so so here's the thing. we Before the travel restrictions, the international travel restrictions, we had uh, European soft units that would come to Alberta uh, to to do training courses with us, and so when they get here, we need to uh, equip them. They they're not bringing their their rifles, and so uh, so we've got our own rifles and uh, plates that we would give them, and then they would bring their you know the rest of their gear, um, and so we wanted to set the rifles up. But I mean, when you're doing multiple numbers of it, it gets uh, quite expensive quite fast. You know, put aim aim points on there and things like that. The the price gets high. So you know, it was just a matter of looking for the best quality for the, for value. And uh, we just end up landing on, on hollow sun. And because we have to buy some air, we're like, well, let's just get set up because it's a good product to, to resell. And so that's where that came from. <laughs> no, actually I really enjoyed mine too. Like the shake awake and everything else is kind of nice. And it's uh, yeah, it's for the money you spend. It's, it's a good product. Yeah. I think the value yeah. is, is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've recently switched over to hollow sun myself. And like, I was never a fan when they first came out, but they really seem to have turned that around and make a, an amazing product for for the money like it's yeah. it's well built with a lot of features which normally you get like all of the features and little money it's you know nothing works right this one they are fantastic well and the the solar panel does appeal because you end up getting about fifty thousand hours out of a battery or something like that with a solar assist so i mean can't complain about yeah. that yeah Man. Awesome. Uh, the other thing I was just going to ask about, uh, any new uh, products coming up for actual gear? I, uh, there's something I was going to talk about off-air, but uh, anything you might have from Latvia or anything else coming up? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's always new products in the work. And uh, before we get to that one, I'll, I'll just mention some of the other ones. And so um, one of the, 
one of the branches, I guess you could say, CTOMS has gone uh, on is uh, micro rope systems. And so uh, we've got a new Gen 2 rope coming out with our trace systems. We've got, and this is pretty insane. And, and I, it's, 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 you know, I can't even believe how, where we're going with this. But we have uh, a 3.8 millimeter rope uh, emergency egress system. And so it's literally a shoelace where we're, we're that small. And uh, we have the custom device that goes with it and it auto locks and it will function with up to a 350 pound load. And so um, now, we're, I was we're, told that eight mil is the absolute bare minimum. I think I've been lied to. So we do with trace systems, we're doing uh, what I call comprehensive capability, meaning that everything, everything that you can do with a big rope that includes, you know, your normal rappelling, ascending, but also rescue and bridging. So like high lines uh, and guidelines and things like that. We're doing that with a, what's a, it's a 6.5 mil rope right now. And, and we're on our Gen 2 rope. So the, um, uh, the quality of the ropes improved even from the original one. Uh, so we're even you know, a quarter to a third the, the weight and volume of, of big systems uh, for comprehensive capability. But for just emergency egress, where it's an emergency descent out of uh, whether it's a tree or a building or, or whatever have you, um, yeah, we're at, we're at 3.8 mil. And uh, Well, exactly. emergency egress ropes are one and done, right? Like they, they take a load once, they never get reused. Is that right? Well, it, it, it depends. Like, so there's a CE uh, or an EN standard where you get it uh, standardized to that. Now, you know, in reality, can you do it more? Well, you know, it, it depends. And so we do what we call cycle fatigue testing on our on, on the ropes. And uh, so we'll actually cycle it and then we'll we'll pull test it to, to test how much uh, how much it's weakened after, you know, so many tests. And so um on this 3.8, we're 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 good at 10, uh, and we're still we're still at the strength that we need. And I think commercially, we're going to recommend five, meaning that if you buy the system, say you're a paraglider, and you buy the system so that if you land in the trees when you're paragliding, you have this kit on you, uh, and but you're going to want to try it at least once before you, you use it for real, right? <laughs> Got to test your gear, yeah, 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 use it yeah. once <laughs> for training. Maybe even twice or if you, let's say you use it twice for training, then you get three potential emergency uh, uses uh, out of it. And so we're saying that, you know, uh, five is, is probably acceptable for it. So. Is that like uh, coupled with an inertial reel system or how does it work exactly? Like, uh... No, it's it's a, a little device that would hook up to your harness and we have a little, a little tiny, tiny little uh, diaper harness that uh, that can come in the kit if you're not, if you're not, wearing a harness within you know the function of, of whatever you're doing so if you're a fighter pilot you've already got a harness on but if you're a paraglider you actually won't have a harness and so you need a separate one um and so you you just carabiners to uh your harness and then there's a little handle on it and uh you just the handle unfolds and as you just push the handle down it's a controlled descent if you let go of everything you stop so okay. kind of like an ID20 in, in operation, yeah. but obviously significantly smaller. That's right. Yeah. Cool. cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing that you're talking about, so the I think you're talking about the breech pen, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the breech pen, we were originally uh, 
trying to get that into Canada. We had some temporary licenses for demos and everything. And then um, what ended up happening was uh, Natural Resources Canada, uh, their testing in order to get the licensing didn't match the original submission of the of the contents or of the, the rod or something like that. And so make a, a very long story short, the manufacturing has moved from uh, Europe to the US and we are, uh, it's being reapplied for licensing as we speak. And so fingers crossed, everything should be golden uh, within a few months and, and the breach pen will be uh, in Canada. Can okay, you explain what to the uh, listeners nice. what the breach pen is? Yeah, so the breach pen is, uh, it's like a thermite stick basically that uh, it gives you, a, I think it's a 23 second burn. Uh, it's got a fusy match in it that you uh, that you strike, you light the tip, and then once it, once it starts burning, there's no putting it out, but it will melt through a uh, chain, for example, if you want to cut through a chain. Um, is kind of the, the primary, but it'll allow you to cut through uh, metal. And you can get through some, uh, you know, some pretty heavy gauge uh, chain with, with one stick. So I uh, want one. Would it work with Deadbolt? Yeah. It's a road flare on super steroids. Would it work with uh, Deadbolts or anything else like that as well? Or is it just... Uh... Uh, that's a good it'll question. cut a chain, it'll cut a lock. Yeah. The thing about Deadbolts yeah. is that you may end up actually welding it shut because there's some <laughs> lag that gets... Uh, hung up in there, yeah. but um, but uh, padlocks and things like that, easy day for sure. Or the the, the metal or, around a deadbolt. Yeah, right. you could probably yeah. just cut right through the door. Yeah, just cut or, through the door at that point. Yeah, <laughs> or the hinges. Yeah, or the door frame. Yeah. yeah, or the side of the metal building if that's what it is. Yeah. I want one yeah. or four. It's, it's oh, not yeah. quite the lightsaber that cuts the big hole. In the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Might yeah. as well go all yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's actually a guy that was like, uh, he had a uh, TikTok video going where he had a, a plasma torch going, and he almost made his own lightsaber. And everybody's like, oh, please make it happen <laughs> at this point. But uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Obviously, you can see why we have you on here because the preparedness community is interested in the, the first aid aspect and the gear aspect and everything else. But, you know, I guess the Suez Canal thing is, is a prime example. Have you had any inventory issues in the last year with the, uh, the COVID shutdowns and everything else and uh, manufacturing issues? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always inventory issues, uh, but I mean, we we try and keep a, a, a significant amount of stock in the products that we that we do carry. Um, but I mean, it's yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's been that bad. And and to be very candid, I'm, I'm not into the weeds on you know within that part of the company uh, to you know to be able to tell you which products have been um, backlogged and things like that. But uh, um, yeah, inventory is always a challenge. <laughs> but we, I mean, yeah. I, I can tell you that we just got our resupply of tourniquets from C. Tom's about two weeks ago. So you do have stuff in stock, or at least you did two weeks ago to fill our order. So yeah, yep. you, I just you know, got my restock of Cellox. So nice. Yeah. You, you know what's a bigger issue though, and and so here's the uh, here's the thing, and not a lot of people are talking about this, but um, two years ago. Uh, Health Canada changed the standards for getting uh, medical device uh, devices yeah. licensed in Canada, yeah. and it, it made the cost of uh, so, so you have to have a um, an ISO certification ISO one three four eight five in order to um, get a medical device license in Canada. But Health Canada requires a very specific type of ISO one three four eight five called MDSAP now, and that takes the cost. Uh, up like fourfold from from a normal uh, ISO uh, registrar, 
And so what's happened is there's the vast majority of, of companies, especially smaller companies that are like, you know, one, two, three skew companies um, that were in Canada before they say they, they're looking at the, the numbers and they're like, nah, we're not getting the regulatory requirements to relicense in Canada and we're out. So there's been a mass exodus of medical devices out of Canada because of just massive increase in regulatory requirements and red tape and costs and and nobody's talking about it and nobody knows about it. And so, you know, there's uh, yeah. there's one chest seal that's licensed now. The Sam chest seal is the only one that, that's licensed in Canada now. Uh, that's hydrogen. Yeah. I think yeah, being, that, that's what stopped us from bringing some stuff in was that like, oh yeah, you can bring it in, but you need this medical devices license that's like ten thousand plus dollars, yeah. and we're like, I'm not even going to sell ten thousand dollars of this one product <laughs> in a year, so it's just not worth it. Thankfully, you guys were bringing in all this stuff that we were looking at, yeah. and it's much easier to do that. But uh, yeah, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think Bain, Bain summed it up perfectly. He says the government made it more expensive. Color me surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed to say those comments. That's for tomorrow night's podcast. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Nope. You know, not like the most business friendly government in the world. That's for sure. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, it's yeah, that, that medical devices thing, it gets applied to so many things. Like, I get it. If you're making heart valves or something like that, that like kind of need to be made a certain way. Yep. You, I get it. But like some things like we're not supposed to make our own first aid kits to sell because you need a medical devices license in order to make a kit of stuff that's already approved and readily available. I can't sell it as a kit. Like it's, yeah. sell individual parts though. That's another yeah. thing. Yeah. So this is this is a really interesting thing because again, a lot of people don't don't get this. So in Canada, the way that it works is it doesn't work like this in the U.S. But in Canada, if you take a, a group of medical devices and you put them together and then you sell it under one one SKU, one product code as as a a, a, a kit, and one of those components is a class two device. So let's let's say we take a pouch. And in that pouch, we put a tourniquet, which is class one, and a bandage, which is class one, and then a pair of gloves, which is class two. And then we sell that as a kit. Then the requirement that you've just become a manufacturer because you've manufactured a medical device and the medical device is the kit, even though it's a, a grouping of individual medical devices. And even if individually, all of those medical devices have already a Health Canada medical device license from the original manufacturer. You're a new manufacturer and it includes a class two. So now you need to become ISO 13485 MDSAP certified, which will take you probably about two years and $50,000 or more yep. to, uh, to make that happen. And yep. uh, yeah, so good luck. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not a, a, a business friendly market for, for medical uh, devices, that's for no. sure. No. Which it's, is sad because literally, if if they were interested in actually saving lives, like you can't ask for a more directly saving lives type of industry than this, and they're making it more yeah. difficult. But that's the, how the how dumbest part about it. Is. The giant corporations that already do this. Yeah. yeah if you mm. if you like, I can legally sell all of the components to you. Yep. I just can't put them all together in one button for you to click. Correct. Yep. Yep. 
Like that's, that's right. the, the, the part that's so ridiculous. I can sell you all of the things individually. Yeah. I can't package them because somehow that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind, kind, yep. <laughs> kind of like not needing a pal to buy uh, to. You don't need a pal to buy uh, reloading components, but you need a pal to buy ammo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Sure. All right. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much all I had. That's awesome. Like this has been great. Uh, very educational yeah. for me, for sure. Anything else, listeners, need to hear about Chris? Oh man, I could uh, I could talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've got like nine minutes until the until our normal end, or like forty nine yeah. minutes until Eric's end. So. Oh yeah. Here we go. <laughs> so I do have one question, Chris. Sure. Uh, we've talked about the training and the products and such, but where can everybody go to sign up for the training? So uh, if you go to our, our website at ctoms.ca and then you click on uh, under training, you'll see CTOMS Academy. And in there, there'll be like a, a listing of all the different uh, courses and bundles that we offer. So right now, because we're first week of launch, uh, it's 25% off everything. And uh, what we've done is the individual courses have uh, have their own price, but we've bundled them together in packages that that make the most sense. And those bundles are forty percent off if compared to if you bought the courses individually. So it makes Whoa. way more sense to buy a bundle. So you're getting yeah. if you buy a bundle, you get forty percent off, and then the the discount uh, for the promotion launch is twenty five percent off of that. And um, awesome. yeah, yeah. That's Great. fantastic. And sorry, that was ctoms.ca, is that right? ctoms.ca, correct, yeah. Fantastic. And then it, it will take you to, when you log in, like if, when you purchase and everything, the website for the actual uh, online academy is ctomsacademy.com. Awesome. Is there a time limit on the amount of time you have access to the courses, or is it so the, the course, thing you can do all the time? Yeah, the course access is three years. Okay. So. Yeah, that's plenty of time. Reasonable time. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, you should be able to get it done then. By then. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm a procrastinator, so maybe not. <laughs> Need to awesome. listen to more Jocko. That'll stop yeah. that procrastinating. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but who has two hours to listen to Jocko every week? <laughs> How could you not? Uh, Fair enough. Let me count the ways. I, There's I so many other that. podcasts I also listen to. He tells you you're supposed to just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. There's no get other podcast earlier. but this podcast. Get, Come on. Get up earlier, stay up later, get it all done. That's right. <laughs> all right, shall I move into the podcast challenge? This week, your challenge is take advantage of training before the emergency happens, Ian. We suggest ctoms.ca, as we, as we just discussed. The, note, uh, the link is in the show notes. If you don't manage to get to it before April 1st, that's right, Chris, the, the launch code goes until April 1st. Um, if you don't manage to get to it before April 1st, um, f- use our discount code, CPP25, and that will carry on for a little while after that. So th- thank you again very much, Chris, for getting us uh, getting a code out to the listeners. I'm sure uh, anybody that can't get to it this week, I know I won't be able to, uh, but anybody else that can't as well uh, will probably will take advantage of that uh, after the 1st. There's another link in there, but I'm not sure what it's for, so I'm not going to mention it because, well, Ian's probably rickrolling me if I link it out. So, oh, no, actually, it's not a rickroll. I swear, it's actually Right Rock Tactical's uh, upcoming classes uh, page as well. Because okay, they so all, they other also training, so other yeah. other training, other training is available as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And with May being Stop the Bleed month, we're going to have some Stop the Bleed classes running. 
you know, that might awesome. be your, your warm up to taking something a little bit more intense and involved, like the C Tom's <laughs> training. I've done Stop Very the nice. Bleed and um, Red Cross BLS four times this year already. It's uh, it's getting a little repetitive. I think I'm ready for the big time, so I think I'm going to skip right to uh, right to what C Tom's has to offer. Good. All right. All right, we'll move into deal of the week. So uh, I came across a listing on uh, the Costco website. It's uh, a two-pack for a Crazy Cap UV bottle. So it's a little bottle. It's got a UV light in the cap. Uh, it's on for forty nine ninety seven. So cool. check that out. Is it like the SteriPen kind of idea? Pretty much, yeah. It's just a little, uh, little UV light in the cap. Fill the bottle up with water, hit the button, and it sterilizes the water. Nice. Neat. Yeah. And can't beat it for 50 bucks or two of them. So. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's move into some shout-outs. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Um, informative. And, uh, again, we really appreciate the uh, the code for the listeners. Yeah, my right. pleasure. Thank, thanks a lot for, for having me. I know this has been in the works for a long, long time. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a few days in the making, yep. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, for myself, I've got one for the Island Mentor. I mean, I... I had to kind of giggle. He was very good at like kind of like muffling his face palms as he's talking to me, and we're doing like schematics for the solar panel and everything else. But I don't know if he could tell, but electronics are not my bag, baby. <laughs> like it was actually kind of funny to see the frustration in his face. He's doing his best not to like mock me openly, but anyways, he was pretty good about it. So thanks to the Alimentor well, for I mean, the, uh, the solar setup. How, how many people have a cell phone blow up on them? Like, yeah, I mean, things happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not I the first one either, was uh, it? Did I not say electronics <laughs> not my bag? Apparently, you know, uh, bravo to yeah. you for not letting things like fires and explosions stop you from trying the same thing over. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Ian's probably the reason oh, why Breach Pen hasn't come into Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, you notice how attracted I am to it, though, right? I mean, yeah. Like, yep. mm-hmm. Look, see, because of me, there's a warning. <laughs> Yeah, like like a moth to a flame. There's the end right. after the breach pen. Yeah. It's gonna come in. It's gonna come into Canada with a warning on it saying, "Do not give to Ian." Yeah. <laughs> Available to everyone in Canada except Ian. Hey, unless Ian. you want me to demo it, in which case I will gladly do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move into email and iTunes reviews, shall we? All right, I got one from my a YouTube commentary from Mark. He says, uh, thank you so much for your great podcast. I've learned so much from you guys. I'm not sure if he got the right podcast there or whatever, but, you know, like, but we'll take it. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Hey, besides that, the email has been uh, pretty dry. We've got a couple of their uh, reviews in, but nothing written-wise for, uh, for iTunes, so... With that, I will bring uh, episode 111 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, Please help us out, submit a review. It helps other people find us. Uh, We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. Gives you an alert when we're going live. Do the same thing on Facebook, and it will also give you alert when we're going live. Do both, and you can't possibly miss us. If you want to get me directly, you can find me, uh, Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. Yeah, you can uh, typically find me on the Instagram, urbexgta, all one word, or ragnaroktactical.ca. We've been booted off some social medias. We're still on some. We're there. We're currently shadow banned, so, like, you know, Give us a like and a subscribe and stuff. Make us feel better about that. 
Chris? Uh, or yeah, I'll put my plugs in there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. ctoms.ca and uh, ctomsacademy.com. And then uh, we're at ctoms Inc. on Instagram. I think we're still on Facebook. Facebook doesn't get much traffic uh, uh, much anymore. Instagram's kind of the main one for us right now. And then uh, to email us uh, for training, it's just training at ctoms.ca. And for any equipment inquiries, it's equipment at ctoms.ca. Right on. Um, I got a message from Gab and from a couple other places saying somebody else took your name and you can't have it. So I'm back to my old uh, handle there. So if you want to reach, reach huh. in directly, you can email me at theislandretreat at gmail.com and on Gab at the Island Retreat. Uh, you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast with Gavin and Andrew. We're on iTunes and YouTube. They can find us discussing why government waste in society has me stockpiling tactical gear. <laughs> All right, you can uh, check me out at uh, rapidsurvival.com you can get me there at the live chat while you're buying some prepper gear uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and just another quick thank you to Chris for coming out this evening it's uh, some great information and I'm sure the listeners are going to uh, benefit from it quite a bit so until next time uh, be prepared stay safe and keep learning <laughs>